Let me encourage you to find Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter number 18. While you're finding your place in Acts chapter 18, uh, I want you to think about this just for a moment. Forgetfulness is a terrible thing. And it seems as we continue to get older, there are just some things that happen in our memories as they get older, and we just have this tendency to forget some things. Uh, it reminds me of a story of an elderly couple that had been married 50-plus years, and uh, they were well advanced in age, and uh, they went to the doctor together because they were just having a difficult time remembering things. The doctor looked them over and said, you guys are relatively healthy. Uh, there is decreased memory loss with age, but there's no signs of dementia or, or anything like that. It's just you're getting older. I suggest, the doctor said, that you write things down. So they went home, and as the, the evening began to approach, they decided that they would watch an episode of Andy Griffith. And so as they were sitting there getting ready to watch the episode, the wife turns to the husband and says, you know what, I think I'd like some ice cream. The husband stands up and says, I'll tell you what, honey, I'll go to the kitchen and I'll get it for you right now. She says, you want to write it down? He said, no, I'm just going to get some ice cream. This is very simple. She said, no, I, I want ice cream with strawberries on it. He said, I can remember that. That's a simple request. Ice cream, strawberries. I got it, honey. And he began to turn and walk to the kitchen, which she said, wait a minute, I, I've decided I'd like something else. He says, what's that? He said, I want a little bit of whipped cream on top of those strawberries. And he says, no problem, I can take care of it. She says, I really think you need to write it down. He says, no, I got it. Ice cream, strawberries, whipped cream, no problem. He goes into the kitchen and he spends about 40 minutes in the kitchen. He finally comes out, and he's got a plate of bacon, eggs, sausage. And he sits it there in front of his wife, and she looks at it and looks at him and says, I knew you should have wrote it down. He said, what? She said, where's my toast? <laughs> Forgetfulness. It's one thing to forget because we're getting older. But there's this greater tendency, if you would, for us Christians to forget because we fail to apply the Word of God to our lives. And in failing to apply the Word of God to our lives, we have this tendency to forget the promises that God has given us, especially in difficult and hard times. When I think about this, I cannot help but think about the example that we think oftentimes as Christians that God can only use popular people. We have this tendency to look as Christians on TV or listen to radio and see these great big popular preachers that are out there. We have this tendency to think that my ministry is really not as important as somebody like that. I mean, look how God's using them. Look at the number of people that they're reaching. There's no way that I could be anything like that. And so we have this tendency to reserve and to not practice the truth of the Scriptures, the truth of the Word of God, because we think that God's gifted somebody else. We have this tendency to not live out our purpose because we do not, or we forget, if you would, the simple reality that God uses plain, ordinary people to accomplish His will. When you look at Scripture and you see people like Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Peter and even Paul or Apollos, you look at these individuals and see how God used them greatly. But these individuals were designed and created to do the purpose that God wanted them to do. There was only one Paul. There was only one Peter. There was only one Billy Graham. There's only one in regards to these individuals. And there's only one you. 
And God wants to use you to live life intentionally and on purpose. God's plan is for you to be faithful and to live purposefully with the purpose that God has designed you uh, to accomplish. When we look at Acts, we cannot help but see the early church has been established and the first century church is growing. Just an overview, it's been four weeks since we've been in the book of Acts. Remember just simply that the church of Acts in Acts chapter 2 was established. And it grows and expands through Acts chapter 4. And through these, this growth and expansion, there's these tremendous trials So much so that by the time you get to Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira show up on the scene and the church needs some purification. It is amazing to me that as you see in Acts chapter 9, after the purification of the church, that God calls a man by the name of Saul. He calls him and Paul becomes a a force to be reckoned with for the glory of God in Acts chapter 5. And then we see and are amazed at Paul's conversion as we approach Acts chapter 9 as God uses him for his glory and the transformation that takes place in his life. And then in Acts chapter 10, we see Cornelius come on the scene and it is strengthened by the Antioch church in Acts chapter 13. And then as the the Antioch church is established, they begin to send out their missionaries. And as they send out their missionaries, all of a sudden in Acts uh, chapter number uh, 15, we find the, uh, the Gentiles are coming into full equal membership with God's church. And in Acts chapter 17, Paul, now on his second missionary journey, is seeing people come to Christ but there seems to be this pattern in his life he goes into a city and he goes into a city goes to the synagogue he preaches some people get saved everybody that doesn't get saved gets mad there's either a revival or a riot or both and they end up running him out of town and this happens time and time and time and time again and so now we find ourselves here as Paul the dominant figure in Acts chapter 18 but That's not who I want to focus on this morning. This morning, I want us to look at a couple of ordinary people that show up in Acts chapter 18 that have a very simple ministry that no one really recognizes, but God uses them in a mighty way. Their names are Aquila and Priscilla. And it should encourage us today that we live intentionally and on purpose for the glory of God. Because they have this tendency, as you read their story, to to remind us of what we're most prone to forget. As you uh, approach Acts chapter 18, it helps to remember uh, that up to this point, Paul really has only visited three cities. He's been to Thessalonica, he's been to Berea, And he's been to Athens. Every city that Paul has been there, again, there's been this opposition and persecution. And that's where Acts chapter 18 picks up. He's feeling down. He's feeling discouraged. Everywhere he goes, there's a bit of a response. But most of the time, they're angry at him. Paul has this tendency here in this particular passage of Scripture, just by the context, to be alone. He's a little downcast. And he arrives in the Las Vegas of the Bible. Corinth, a very wicked city, a city that I want to look at a little bit more in depth next week. But in going through 1 Corinthians, we kind of know just exactly what type of city we're dealing with. It's a very hedonistic city, a very worldly city. It looks a lot like the United States of America today. And as Paul makes his way there, 
some 50 miles from Athens. He needs desperate encouragement. Look at what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 1. The Scripture says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently came from, or has come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he, and he came to them. When Paul was feeling down, God allows him to find this sweet, precious couple who is really a drink of cold water to a hot, dry man. And what Luke records about Aquila and Priscilla is great encouragement to you and I today. We see that they are a couple who lived their life on purpose for the glory of God. There's nothing particularly special about this couple. Uh, when we look at them, uh, we see there's nothing really unusual about them other than that their faithful choice to live their life on purpose. Their ministry in Acts chapter number 18 reveals three truths that we're prone to forget. Each one of them mentions and reveals a biblical truth that oftentimes we just forget. Number one, the first th principle I want you to notice is this. In verses 1 through 3, we see that your pain has a purpose, but it's not always perceived. Your pain has a purpose, but it's not always perceived. And what I mean by that is it's not always understood. You don't always understand the pain that you're experiencing. Uh, I just went through a tremendous pain in my life. Uh, my stepmom passing away at 63 years of age has been a devastating blow. I've been reading in Scripture uh, now for several weeks how that the children of Israel mourned for 40 days over Aaron and Moses at their deaths. And at oftentimes, even in being in ministry for some 30 years, have, have done so many funerals and oftentimes uh, uh, wondered, even in my own family member's funeral, considered it a blessing when people die. And it is a blessing that Mama Kay is in heaven. But at 63, with a full life ahead, uh, I asked myself the question, boy, how young. How difficult this is for my family. It was just different the way that it happened. And I can see now how they would mourn for some 40 years, if you, or 40 uh, days, if you would, in regards to this issue of someone they love dearly passing away at an undue time. Oh, how challenging that is to think about. And then I think about this principle. The pain that I experience has a purpose even though I can't perceive it, even though I can't understand it. When you look at this text, you got to remember that Paul leaves Athens because he's discouraged by the response of the people there. The people in Athens, the Bible says some received, some said, we'll hear about this later, and some said, we don't want to hear about this at all. You're crazy. And so Paul leaves, and whether he took the four-hour boat ride or walked for two days to Corinth, uh, the fact of the matter is he had some downtime to think and to pray. And you want to be discouraged, you get some downtime of thinking and praying. If we are not in line with the Word of God, if we're not in line with our spiritual uh, presence and being with the Lord on purpose and living on purpose and having our daily quiet time, when you get all alone, there's this tendency to find tremendous despair. And once you get to the point of despair, the devil's got you right where he wants you.
He can cause your mind to think thoughts that you'd never think about before if you were walking with the Lord. And so we find here is Paul, and as he is so discouraged, as he's reflecting and thinking and praying, there has to be this discouragement that's in his life. He's alone with his thoughts, and he arrives in Corinth. He doesn't have a lot of funds, and so what does he do? He goes to the marketplace, and he begins to meet individuals. And here he meets a couple by the name of Aquila and Priscilla. The Bible says there that uh, Aquila and Priscilla was from Pontus. That's northern Turkey. And they were in Corinth because they'd been kicked out of Rome. Luke describes uh, him as a Jew, Aquila as a Jew. And the Bible also says and helps us to understand what he said next. Uh, About 49 AD when the emperor Claudius decreed that the Jews should be expelled from Rome because the teaching of a Jewish man by the name of Christus uh, was teaching all this crazy stuff. Now, we can't be 100% sure, but it seems likely that without any apostles visiting, there was this growing presence of Christians in Rome. And we go all the way to the first part of Acts and see that as the Word of God is spreading all over the world. And so much so that Claudius heard about it and he says, man, this is dangerous. And he kicked all the Christians out of Rome. Well, Aquila and Priscilla, who were strong in their faith, who had received Christ as their Savior, pack up all their stuff as tent makers, and they leave their home. Now, I I would bet that most everyone here at some point has experienced some type of loss or hurt or some expected hardship that you weren't anticipating. And it takes time in regards to that, especially if you move to a new city or a new place to make new friends. Uh, You can feel very lonely. You can feel uh, like you don't have a lot of people. But pretend you owned a a restaurant that said, look, actually, here's the thing. you got to shut down your business. You can't do this anymore. And the closest you can come to Maysville is Ranburn, Alabama. That's as close as you can. you got to get out of Georgia. And the closest place you can reestablish is over in Ranburn, Alabama. Man, how difficult would that be? That's just what happened to Aquila and Priscilla. They had to leave and start completely over. It was a painful time for Aquila and Priscilla. It was also a painful time for Paul. And so here you've got these two Christians that are experiencing this tremendous pain. And, they, and Aquila and Priscilla have left their friends. They've shut down their business. And the, their church has uh, disappeared. They've, they've dispersed, if you would. They've went out. But according to the Word of God, Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. So in the midst of this discouragement, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this pain, God wants to work it out for His good. Brothers and sisters, what a strong encouragement that is for you and I. Your pain has a purpose. Here we are sitting, if you would, in COVID. And as we're sitting in this area of COVID, and we got through the first spike, and here we are at the second spike, and we seem to have this tendency to be a little bit discouraged. What's going on? So many people have it. We all know somebody that's got it. We all know somebody that's not doing good with it. And we're concerned, and we're worried, and we're just, we get so wrapped up in the moment that oftentimes we walk away from the Word of God, and we fail to remember that God has a purpose for our pain. 
What is it that God's trying to do with you? What is it God's trying to tell you? Aquila and Priscilla had no idea the plan of God. And they had no idea what they were going to do as they left Rome. They simply knew this. God has given us the ability to make tents. And so they go to Corinth. They set up shop there. And as they're seeking to be faithful in the midst of a nightmare, they're there trusting the Lord, saying, we don't know how God's going to provide. We don't know what God's going to do. But we know we serve of a mighty God. And God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. And we're going to do the next thing. And that is go to work and worship the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, we can learn a lot from Aquila and Priscilla. What we need to do in the midst of this terrible tragedy of COVID and this next spike is we need to stay faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And for the health of our congregation, if we say, let's press pause on a small group for two weeks here. Let's press pause for small group uh, here. But let's not press pause on worship. Let's make sure we keep the main thing, the main thing. And let's worship the Lord, whether it be online or in person. We must continue to worship God. And so we find here Acts chapter 18 is teaching us that there's this purpose in our pain. Even though we don't understand it. When Aquila and Priscilla met Paul, God's plan began to be realized. But they take comfort that they didn't see it. They had lost money in their transition. They'd lost their friends. But they continued to trust God. Paul partners with them. And for the first time on his missionary trip, his second missionary trip, we see here that he begins to bear fruit in partnering with Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, We finally uh, see uh, Paul, he's going to set sail here in just a few moments. And as he sets sail, he's going to leave and he's going to go over to Ephesus. And as he goes over to Ephesus, we're going to find here that Aquila and Priscilla love him so much and believe in his ministry that they're going to pack up and they're going to go with him. Look at what the Bible says in chapter 18, beginning in verse number 18. Notice what the scripture says. So Paul uh, remained a good while there in Corinth. Then he took leave of the brethren and he sailed to Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him and he had his hair cut that's Paul he cut his hair off because uh, he had taken this vow and he came to Ephesus and he left Aquila and Priscilla there but he himself entered the synagogues and reasoned with the Jews so here we find something new that's taking place here we find that Aquila and Priscilla are going to go with him And as they're going to go with him, they're understanding that there is a purpose in the pain that they experienced in Rome. And so the application for us is quite simple. That God has a purpose for our pain. Listen to this. Don't waste it. Don't waste the pain. The Bible says we may mourn for the night, but joy comes in the morning. When that joy comes, 
we must remember to keep the main thing the main thing. And at Maysville Baptist Church, we just went through a four-week course that says what is the purpose of our church? To love God through biblical worship. To love others through small groups. And to love the, and to serve the world by participating in missions locally and globally. Let's keep the main thing the main thing as we continue to move forward with God's glory. May we accomplish the purpose that God has set us out as Maysville Baptist Church to accomplish. And not just that, but also to set out and complete the purpose that God has made for you. God did not make you to sit on the shelf. He made you with a purpose. And when you look at Aquila and Priscilla, you do not see someone at the forefront. You see someone in the background. And here is this married couple that loves Jesus so much that they're doing everything in their power to accomplish the will of God in their lives in a culture that's upside down. Being run out of Rome, they come to Corinth. Setting up shop, they meet Paul. Paul, in turn, sees fruit coming out of his ministry in Acts chapter 18. We'll look more at that next week. And then you see, he says, I need to go to Antioch. I need to go back home. But I, I need to stop at Ephesus. And as he stops in Ephesus, we find Aquila and Priscilla say, hey, we want to go with you. And so what can we learn from that? We can learn this. Watch this. Man, this is so vital. Verses 18 through 19, we simply see this principle. Your job is a platform. Not the purpose of your life. Your job is a platform, but not the purpose of your life. What, what is the purpose of your life? What's the purpose God has for your life? The purpose for your life is that your life would bring God glory. And for your life to bring God glory... We've got to understand that the talents and the abilities and the giftedness that God has given each one of us have been given to us in such a way that wherever we're serving, not, not in the church, but I'm talking about in the world, wherever we're serving in the world, that God uses you to bring glory to himself through your job. Your job is a platform to get the gospel out it's not your purpose. Your job's not your purpose. It's wrong for a born-again child of God to say, well, you know what? The purpose of my life is to be a doctor. Or the purpose of my life is to be a preacher. Or, or the purpose of my life is to be vice president of a corporation. Or to be president of a corporation. Or, or, or to be a, 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 my own business owner. That's the purpose of my life. No, that's not the purpose of your life. That's the platform and the giftedness that God's given you to practice the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is for you to glorify God with the platform that God has given you. And so if you're a small business owner, then that is the platform that God's given you to give him all the glory. We see this in their life. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, Aquila and Priscilla desire to serve the Lord and to see others come to know a, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the way that they did that was through tent making. They were small business owners. And when you look at their life, and you, don't, you, you have to pull back and, and, and look at the overall context to see this. But I'm telling you, they traveled. Aquila and Priscilla were on the move. 
When you look and you see the text and you see uh, everywhere that they're going, you can't help but see we first are introduced to them when they're in Rome. Claudius then runs them out in Acts chapter 18, verse number 2. As we see, they left Rome and they went to Corinth. After they were in Corinth, they lived, they worked, they ministered there for about three years. And then Paul goes to Ephesus. They go with Paul to Ephesus, Acts chapter 18, verse 19. And while Paul returned back home to Antioch, uh, as Paul begins his third missionary journey from Antioch, he's going to leave there. Paul returns to Ephesus, and he's going to write 1 Corinthians, about 55 A.D., roughly 55 A.D. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 19, listen to this, describes Aquila and Priscilla now hosting the church at Ephesus. So we know that while Paul was at home, Aquila and Priscilla, man, they, they said, hey, we, we got a home. Let's have a small group Bible study in our home. And through that small group Bible study, again, they're tent makers. They're bivocational uh, at the least. If nothing else, they're 100% tent makers, but they love Jesus with all their heart. They said, we got room. Let's have this church here in our home. And we find there that Paul is going to send uh, these warm greetings to the believers at Corinth. At the end of Paul's missionary journey, he writes Romans. And he writes Romans from Corinth. And in Romans chapter 16, verse 3, he greets, he greets uh, this dear sweet couple, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And he greets them uh, in such a way uh, around 56 AD. And now... They are hosting a church in their new home in Rome. So you get the picture. They started in Rome, went to Corinth, moved to Ephesus, moved to uh, their uh, Ephesus, and then, and then they move again back to Rome. And in Romans chapter 16, verse 3 and 5, Paul says this, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risk their own necks for my life. To whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the, uh, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epaphanus and those first fruits of Achaia to Christ. So we find here that this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, nobodies, are moving around so much so that they might see churches established and started. Now they're in Rome. And while they're in Rome, listen to this. If you fast forward while Aquila and Priscilla are in, in Rome, go fast forward 11 years. 11 years later, Paul ends up in Rome. He's in a jail cell waiting his death. He writes to Timothy, who is in Ephesus. And we see that Aquila and Priscilla are now in Ephesus living and ministering with Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So this couple has moved around a lot. And they did so that their lives might bring glory to God. A lot of times we think about, man, we, gotta, we move around so much. We, we're here, we're there, we're everywhere. People are coming and going and all these things. Listen to me very carefully. God wants to use the platform of your job to bring him the most glory. 
And the example of that is found in Acts chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. As, as Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla, as they travel, being used of God for the glory of God. I want to ask you a question. The challenges that you have in your life. The difficulties that you encounter in your life. Do you see those difficulties, those challenges, those pains, your job? Do you see that as God working in your life and creating a platform for you to share the gospel and to be on mission with God? Or do you see it as a problem? My pain's a problem. My job's a problem. My challenges are a problem. All the while, God is wanting to use that pain for his purpose. All the while, God's wanting to use that platform so that he might get the greatest glory as your own mission with God. We see here in this text that your job is a platform, not the purpose of your life. But then there's a third thing very quickly as my time has run out. There's a third principle here that we're reminded of concerning Aquila and Priscilla. And that third one is just simply this. Your ministry may be private, not public. Your ministry may be private, not public. Let me show you something. Look at verse number 24 of the text. Uh, chapter 18, verse number 24, the Bible says this. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria. I would underline that. There, there's something worth noting. He was an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. The Bible says he came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. Now, there's something about this man that's worth noting. I'd underline that. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So here's a man from Egypt. He knows about the baptism of John. And he's communicating that, and everything that he's saying is true. Verse 26, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. He's passionate. The word boldly means passionate. He is passionate. He really believes what he's talking about is true. Notice verse 26, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, watch this, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. I'm telling you what, Apollos is an amazing character that shows up on the scene. He's, he's worthy of his own sermon, no, no doubt there, in pointing out the principles of his life. He was an Egyptian man. He was from the second largest city in Egypt, in the Egyptian empire. If Rome was the capital of government, then Alexandria was the capital of learning. This was not a fly-by-night fellow. He was an educated man. He was a smart man. But he was a man of faith. 
And here is this man in the city that, the, uh, of a large Jewish population with a synagogue so large that some, some have said, historians have said, I don't know this to be true, but some say that they were, uh, they were guys in the center of the synagogue and it was so big that these guys had to have flags. And when he wanted a response, when he wanted the people to say amen, he would f- wave the flag like that right there and the people would say amen. I think that might be something I might need, Lex. I might need, especially for the 930 service, just have a couple of guys on these risers with flags and when it's time to say amen just let them wave them and so we find here that here is a man that's well educated and that's not afraid of crowds he's not afraid uh, to share the gospel he's very bold he's very educated he's very gifted in fact the Bible says in verse number 25 there we noted it that he was fervent in spirit which means he would boil up on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ and he loved God with all of his heart. And it, he, he seems here uh, that, that uh, he is not afraid of anything. But what he, he lacks here is the full knowledge about Jesus. He clearly, he clearly didn't know some things about Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know for sure, but maybe he didn't clearly understand about the coming and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That might be it. Uh, maybe, or may, maybe, maybe not, maybe he uh, did not know about the inclusion of the Gentiles as he was just in the synagogues. Uh, maybe he didn't know about all the facts about what happened to Jesus uh, concerning his resurrection. But when you look at verse number 26, the Bible says this, as he began to speak boldly in the, in the synagogue, watch this, you see it in verse 26. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. As soon as Apollos began to teach others, Aquila and Priscilla knew that they needed to help him. So they pulled him aside, invited him to their home, maybe ordered some shawarma or something, and they sat down and they had a little conversation. When you think about that, the application is quite simple. As a Christian, our job is not our identity. Our job is not our identity. Our job is what we use to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Aquila and Priscilla did in this instance. Apollos, the educated, bold preacher, sat down, listen to this, with tent makers. And as they sat down with these tent makers, and because Apollos was a humble man, he listened And he accepted their instruction and correction. And the third point that I want to leave you with today again is simply this. Your ministry may be private, not public. Here is a couple that ministered to Apollos privately. Boy, he's going to, I'm telling you, Apollos, uh, very quickly, uh, let's let's turn over to uh, the book of Acts. In Acts, or excuse me, here are in Acts. Turn over to Corinthians. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. Let me show you something very, fa- very quickly. There in 1 Corinthians, 
Uh, you see in 1 Corinthians, uh, he tells us there in chapter uh, number 1, at the end of chapter number 1, he's, he's going to tell us here in the text uh, that uh, Apollos is so vital to the work of the ministry. And the, he tells us there that Apollos some, watered, but Paul received the increase. Uh, and somebody's been messing with my Bible because I can't find it now. It's gone. And that only happens when I'm standing up in front of the whole church. When my mind goes blank, this is what happens when I don't stay with my notes. Where am I trying to take you? Do you see it? What? Verse 12. Let's look at it and see. Uh, the Bible says, Now uh, I say this, that each of you, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul cru crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. Lest anyone should say that I've been baptized in, in my own name. Yes, I baptized uh, the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross was foolishness to those that are perishing, but to those that are being saved, it is the power of God. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring nothing to the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the spirit of his age. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And so we find here in the text, Paul points out to the fact what kind of impact Apollos had. He had such an impact. Remember, Apollos was of the baptism of John. He was set straight by Aquila and Priscilla, but his, his his ministry was so powerful that people said, Hey, I know I'm a Christian. I was baptized by Apollos. I was baptized by Peter. And Paul says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. And the point there that I want to make is just simply this. In relationship to Aquila and Priscilla, they ministered to a man who's going to have a huge ministry in Corinth. Yet they did not let that intimidate them to the point where they didn't sit down and say, Hey, can we talk about some things? And as they did so, Aquila and Priscilla had such an impact on the first century church, we see that God moved in a mighty way. Aquila and Priscilla were aware of how God made each of them. They figured out what they were good at. They were good at making tents. And in making tents would provide an opportunity, a platform, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, they partnered with their pastor, Paul, as they started churches, church planners, to go from city to city to city to city, to start churches and to minister to others. And in the privacy of their own ministry and, and, and workplace, people would come into their tent shop, they would share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. On the Sabbath day, they would go with Paul. Sometimes they'd go with Paul into the synagogue and they would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. They weren't afraid and they knew that their ministry was not as public as Apollos or not as public as Paul. But it didn't stop them from doing ministry. That's the lesson we learned from Aquila and Priscilla. The application for us today is quite simple. You don't need a public visible ministry platform to be used by God. 
I got stopped a couple of weeks ago, and a gentleman stopped me, and he introduced himself. He's looking for a home church, looking for a church. They just moved to this area. They were in Florida. They moved up here to this area, and, and uh, still visiting, still talking. And he says, I don't have, he, he made this comment, he says, I don't have a public ministry. I have a very quiet, private ministry where I very quietly slip into prisons and I disciple prisoners. No one knows a lot about me. I, I, just, I just want to do it because that's the giftedness God's given me. And he says, I'm retired now, and so God's given me a platform to do this. Oh, here's a man, here's a dear brother that God has, God has used and he has figured out and applied these principles in his life. He knows that the pain that he has suffered in his life has a purpose. He knows that the job that he has is a platform, not his purpose. And he knows the ministry that he has is private, not public. There, these are three things we have a tendency to forget in difficult times. So I want to ask you this, dear brother and sister, and I'm, I'm done, I'm out of time, and we're finished. What's the challenge that you're experiencing right now? Every one of us is COVID, okay? Every one of us that we all are experiencing that. All going through it together as a church. But what about privately? What's your pain? What, what's your pain? Is it your job? Is it, is it a family member? Maybe a brother or a sister. Maybe your pain is the sickness itself. You have COVID. You're watching today. It's COVID. Maybe it's your spouse. What's your pain? There's a purpose for that pain. And that purpose is that your life would be drawn closer to God and bring Him glory. And then number two, the, the platform that God's given you. Listen to me, small business owner. That, that, that platform that God's given you, is it bringing God glory? I, I had a church member at my previous church. We were talking about this principle one day. And, and he said, I'm really convicted by this. He said, I'm convicted by this principle. God's given me this platform. I got employees. This is my business. I said, yeah, it's your business. And he come up with this idea. He said, here's what I want to do, Pastor. He said, I want to take Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I want to dedicate those two days to evangelism in my business. And I want to take, and he, and he used Christmas as an example because it was the simplest one. He says, I want to come here at Christmas, and I want to tell the Christmas story to my employees and then give them an opportunity to receive Christ. I'm not going to make them. I just want to give them an opportunity. And as God has used that man who figured out the platform is not his purpose, but the platform is given to him so he can exercise his purpose, all of a sudden his attitude completely changed about his business Revenue went up. God has blessed him. And to this day, he has a very, very successful business. There are stories out there about individuals that says, you know what, God has blessed our business in such a way that we really want to make eternal investments. 
internal in, e, eternal investments. So there's these companies that, who have figured this out, that this platform that God's given them, and they've carved out within their budgets eternal investments. Are they going to get a write-off on it? No. No. But they want to use these funds to make eternal investments all over the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, business owner. There's so many opportunities for God to use you. And maybe you're not a business owner, but you're an employee. You say, well, look, what about me, pastor? I mean, how can I? I love this. I love this. As a born-again child of God, who seriously knows that God's given you this platform in the job that you're working in to give him all the glory, honor, and praise. And you're working in this job, you're punching a clock. And you've got all these fellow workers with you. Your life, the way you handle situations and trials, will communicate very clearly whether or not you know Jesus. And God wants to use that and the platform that he's given you for his glory. I'll never forget when I worked for Advanced Auto Parts in their, dear, in their warehouse distribution center. Uh, I, I, I didn't tell anybody. I did not tell anybody that I was in Bible college. I didn't tell anybody. I just went to work. I punched the clock. I did my job. I just tried to do the best I could. I, I would leave. I'd go to church. I'd, I'd do my ministry. I'd go to school. And, and, and eventually, eventually someone stops and goes, Hey, what's your, what's your deal? Well, what do you mean? What's my deal? You don't go out drinking after work. You're not flirting around with all the girls that are here. What's your deal? I don't have a deal. Are you one of them Christians? Yes, sir. I am. I'm a Christian. And then all of a sudden, when they figured out that what was different about my life was my relationship with Jesus then all of a sudden people start coming up to you. And they said, hey, will you pray for my child? Would you pray for my mom? Would you pray for my dad? I know you believe. Will you pray? Will you pray? And all of a sudden there's a ministry that opens up. I'm telling you, God can use you if you'll just see that platform and not a purpose. And then some of you may be here today and you're just tore up because you don't have a public ministry. Brothers and sisters in Christ... God may not have called you to public ministry. He may have called you to private ministry. Last week I talked about, uh, uh, I talked about Rick Lacey and how Rick Lacey never would want any kind of recognition and I really pointed him out. It's a private ministry. Many of you today have figured that out. But maybe you've been struggling. Maybe your world's upside down and maybe what God's trying to tell you is this. You're not living with purpose. You're not living with purpose. You're living in the flesh. And so today I'm, I'm calling you back, calling you back to God's purpose. For some of you here, I'm calling you to God's purpose for the very first time. And the only way to have God's purpose is to know the person of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we find that in the text, it's very obvious that at some point, somewhere in Rome, Aquila and Priscilla received Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And that's what changed the trajectory of their life. That is what will change the trajectory of your life. Not being religious, not joining the church, not getting baptized. What will change the trajectory of your life is receiving Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. And today, I extend an opportunity for you to do that. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, Paul says, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So dear friend, I want to offer you today a way to be saved from the heartache and the pain and the eternal separation between you and God, which ultimately will lead to separation for eternity in hell if you don't come to Christ. Will you come to Jesus today? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today, maybe that's something you'd like to do. If it is, would you say something like this to the Lord? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Savior. And this morning I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Today I repent of my sins. And I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look right up this way. If you prayed and you, with all your heart, you meant that, you asked the Lord to save you, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you to the family of God. And here in just a few moments, I'm going to be in the Discovering Maysville room in the back of the church here. I'm just going to write out these doors. It's right there on the left. There'll be somebody up in the front Discovering Maysville uh, room if you'd like to talk to someone there. But if you have received Christ, I'd love to meet you. I've got a gift I'd like to give you. You can get it here. You can get it there. I'll be back here today. We'd love to meet you and receive you. Could we all just stand at this time and have a simple invitation? just want to have a good old-fashioned invitation because the Lord may have spoken to uh, a Christian today. And as the Lord spoke to you today, God's really been dealing with you about the purpose of your life. And you haven't been living life on purpose. And maybe you have allowed the pain that's in your life to just cause you to become sour when God has a purpose for it. I want to ask you, would you come today? Would you come? The altar's open. Would you come and surrender and say, God, I'm in pain. Would you reveal to me your purpose in my pain? Number two, you might be here today. and Maybe you've been just so upset about your job. Whether you're a business owner or whether you're an employee. And today God has really showed you through Aquila and Priscilla that that job's a platform for you to conduct ministry. And you have forgotten it. It's okay. I mean, look, we forget. It's tough. Why don't you come to the Lord and commit yourself and say, I want to just say, Lord, I'm remembering today that you gave me this job. And it's for your purpose. I'm going to bring you glory through it. And then number three, number three, you might be here and say, man, I desperately want that private ministry. Would you come today and just ask God, say, Lord, would you reveal to me what my ministry is? And it might be a platform for your glory. Lord, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.